So here we are, really close to the beginning of a brand new year. Now, this is a year we all wanted to get to, 2021, to get rid of 2020 that was so unexpected, such a challenge for so many of us. This would be the year where everything got back to normal. And yet here we are, a lot of us realizing, whoa, this is not back to normal. This is continued volatility, upheaval, uncertainty. Here we are really close. Now we're hearing from a whole lot of you who are saying you're not real sure about a clear plan rolling into the new year. Got a note from a listener who says, I went through your book, went through the process. Man, I don't have any clarity. I looked for my passion. I found nothing. Hey, if that's you, stick around. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, there you go. If you need a tune-up or a complete overhaul, stick around. Well, we're getting such an avalanche of questions here at the end of the year because this is a time when all of us are thinking about what do we want the next year to be? Of course, I'm strong on designing what you want the next year to be. Don't just wait and see what shows up. You decide now what you want that to be. That's the way to approach it. Well, some of the questions we're going to get through, I've got some questions that I want to go through from those of you who answered the survey, the podcast survey a couple of weeks ago. Um, I love going through and a lot of you shared in their challenges that you're having. I'm going to get to some of those, but here's some of the things we'll be addressing. Dan, can I have multiple business ideas under one business name? And then as I alluded, somebody says, I looked for my passion and found nothing. He says, I'm making too much money at my regular job to focus enough time in my side business. Here's somebody says, after 38 years of pastoral ministry, I'm struggling with charging for coaching. Love it. We'll talk about that. How can I be like Dan and start and grow an online business without using social media? I love that question. How do I get from actually having a business to having a business that makes money? And then how can I make the money promised in this MLM company, direct sales? Well, a lot to cover there. Going to dig into a couple of those a little bit deeper. Quotation comes from Jim Rohn, who said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. Wow. So here's the irony in that. Who you're becoming is more important than what you're doing. And yet it's what you're doing that is a key to becoming more as a person. Okay, so, you know, we need to, to jump right into that. It is important what you're doing. It's more important who you're becoming, but they're really tied together. Now, to help you on that, our resource for today, free resource, you get my 11-page workbook on who are you and why are you here. If you go to 48days.com slash why, you can get that to help you figure out who are you and why are you here. Now, I want to start right off with an audio message that JJ left. We'll jump right into this first one that has to do with having multiple businesses. Hey, so Dan, I have been listening to you for a while now, and I'm working at a government job, which is 
pretty considered secure and safe. I have really great health insurance for very little money. And I'm 18 years in and I'm losing my passion for the occupation. And I want to branch out and maybe do a home-based business. My question is, if I want to do a home-based business that has multiple things as services, can I do all that under one umbrella and one business name? I would really appreciate your input on this. Thank you so much. And God willing, I will be retired from normal in the year 2022. All right. Well, there you go. Retired from normal. She doesn't want normal. You know, there's a whole lot of people out there that don't want normal. I certainly don't want normal. I mean, one of the the killers of any idea when our kids were growing up is they'd come home and say, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, if everybody else is doing it, we probably need to look at some new options. So JJ wants to get away from normal. And I certainly commend her on doing that. It's attractive to have a job where things are working pretty well. We get a lot of questions from you that have to do with that. You know, things are going okay. Well, should I really rock the boat? Should I take the initiative if things are going okay? Well, that's a very personal decision. A lot of factors have to go into that. But if you're clear on your want to move into something new, there's certainly no obstacles to that. There's more opportunities than I think ever have been available for how you can do that. Now, as to your question, JJ, you know, can you have multiple business ideas under one umbrella? Yes, absolutely. If there's a caveat. If activity in one fuels activity in another, if they're unrelated, then no, I would not do that. It'll confuse people who are trying to figure out what you do and want to engage with you on one particular thing. I mean, I've got a guy right now out here doing some some yard work. Well, people have approached him about, I've got an uneven spot in my driveway. You know, can you work on that? Gee, I need to have a window replaced. Can you work on it? Well, he seems to say yes to everything, which makes me a little suspicious about his talent in the landscaping area. I would rather he's be, he be real focused on one thing and do that very well and become known for that. So if you have something, well, at one time I had a health and fitness center. I had an auto accessories business. I was teaching at the university. I was speaking. They were, they were too unconnected. You know, I'd be under the dash installing a stereo system in a a brand new Honda and realize that in 30 minutes, you know, I had to be teaching a class. They were unconnected. And that was really difficult to keep balance. And ultimately, I realized that was not a good plan. But today, I have seven different areas of my business. They're very distinct areas. They stand alone. But activity in any one fuels activity in the others. So that has to do with being an author. Of course, I have books. As a result of that, I get speaking requests, certainly. You know, we have other product sales. I do affiliate commissions and people who have similar content. I do coaching. We do live events. I have a mastermind. I have a membership site. Those are the kind of things, but they all are based on the core message of 48 Days to the Work You Love. So if you can have things that are connected where if you're doing this, it also opens the door to that. If I'm speaking, does that generate book sales? Yeah, you better believe it. 
you know, when I sell books, does it generate other product sales? Yes, they all fuel each other. So look for ways that you can do that. Build a Venn diagram where you have like three circles that intersect. You know, you can just look up a model for that. Build your business around that and you can rock and roll, have multiple streams of income. And that's pretty cool because then you reduce the importance of any one of those creating big income. You can have reasonable income in a couple of those, but the, the compilation starts to look really interesting. All right, this comes from John. He says, Dan, I read your book years ago because I was miserable in my job. Um, I really do enjoy what I do, but because of the people I was surrounded by was miserable, okay? Now I'm two years from retirement, need to figure out what I can do to make extra money. When I retire, I used your book to try to find my passion or joy, and the only thing I can come up with is I love different kinds of music, but I can't play anything or sing, Maybe the second time around will be the charm. The first time I read your book and went through the process, nothing changed. What do you think? Well, John, <clears throat> I think you need to you need to go a little deeper here. You, you don't have much to work with with what you described. I mean, you can love apple pie, but if you want that to create income, you're going to have to figure out how to engage with apple pie, how to do something that people care about, something that they'll give you money for. So, just loving music. Yeah, there's no, not a whole long place to go there. If you get involved, I mean, you could, even if you don't sing or play an instrument, you could, you could buy and sell old vinyl records. You know, you could connect people with concerts that are coming up. You could write about music history. I mean, there's some things you can do without having to become really proficient in music yourself, but it's got to be that train that you go down. So you need to follow your curiosity. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that. That can become a passion. If you have some talent in that area, if you see a need, then you can create a plan and then you can operate, do something that can change the world and put a whole lot of money in your pocket. So you can do that. Again, just go through that train, curiosity, proficiency, passion, purpose, promise, profit. I'll put that in the show notes so you can get that because that's an important sequence. Curiosity, proficiency, passion, purpose, promise, and profit. Come up with 10 ideas, things that you're interested in. I'd encourage you to look for things beyond music since that seems to be uh, not something you've got a lot of depth with, but look for other things. I mean, I can easily come up with a list of 10 things that would interest me if I didn't do what I'm doing now. I mean, old cars, landscaping, I mean, learning a new language, I mean, maintaining great health as we age, uh, vintage books. I love that. Podcasting, e-bikes. Well, that's a big one. I've got a, a brand new e-bike sitting here in my garage that I haven't even unpacked yet. Just came yesterday. I'm really excited about that. I'll tell you more about it after I get it unpacked and try it out a little bit. But you know, find other areas of curiosity that you've got and then go down through those until you come up with some kind of a plan. Now, I, I interviewed a lady named Frances this week on our Monday mentor call in the Eagles community. She is a musician. She plays a piano. Well, again, you know, how are you going to have that create income? She's done amazing things with that. I mean, she has licensed her music and, and has a, a gallery. So you can get it on you know, Spotify and podcast or uh, Spotify and Pandora, places like that. But it's also licensed where people who are putting together movies can draw from her music and use that where she gets licensing fees then. 
Um, she's done some Facebook streaming where people just give her tips that has, have produced like $800 a month just doing that. I mean, she sells a lot of merchandise. Um, she's doing in small concerts since the big ones she could not do this last year. So she's been doing small concerts in her house where people pay $50 a piece to come and she sells it out every time she does it. And then she's doing a major concert here in December as well called Portraits of White. And she's raised $21,000 in sponsorship in addition to the $12,000 she has in ticket sales at this point. But, you know, those are things she's done as a musician, so if you have something to draw from, even if it seems un, impractical and unrealistic, I mean, how many people make money because they can play the piano? Well, not a whole lot, but Francis does. I mean, John Tesh does. Jim Brickman does. So you can take that and leverage it if you have something to draw from, but you got to have some kind of skill that is going to lead to something that you can offer where people pay money. Incidentally, um, Francis in her notes to me before we did the interview met me. She says she met me at podcast movement in Philadelphia back in August of 2018. She says, I ask you the question at the end of your workshop. What if you've been listening to all these motivational speakers and podcasts, but you still feel like nothing's working. And my response was keep listening. I totally believe in that. Keep listening. If you go through the book again, I mean, there's enough clues in there, and there's certainly a whole lot of testimonials of people that have read it before you who have said they did find their passion. Now this is what they're doing. I mean, there are testimonials in there. I mean, just uh, keep digging internally if you haven't found it yet. Well, when I, I want to, well, not switch gears a little bit, but I heard Warren Buffett just recently talking to some students. And he said, he said something that kind of struck me, and I want to frame it in terms of how I'm going to answer some of the questions here. But he said, we ought to get out of school and be given a punch card with about 20 punches in there for your lifetime. He says, that's all you need. If you, make, if you have an opportunity to make 20 decisions, you can get very rich. Now, he says, really, you only need four or five. You don't need to be knowledgeable about everything. Only a few things. And that's one of the things that he really sticks to. He doesn't try to be an expert in everything, just a few things. But he said if you had only 20 major decisions to make, you'd think carefully about each one. So then if you meet somebody at a party and he or she talks about a new company, just made a few thousand, you're going to just jump into that. You're not going to have a conversation over, you know, a hamburger and somebody says, gee, I just made a thousand dollars in cryptocurrency. And so you're going to jump into that. No, you're going to make more you want to be more thoughtful about the decisions that you make. You know, Dr. Phil, the online doctor, he says we have 10 defining moments in life, seven critical choices to make, and five pivotal people. It's pretty interesting to think back about what that may look like for you. Who were those five pivotal people? What were the seven critical choices you've made? Well, what if, what if you've made four of those and you have three left, three critical choices. Golly, what a, what a cool opportunity to have. Now, a lot of it has been happening. As you know, we've got this great resignation going on. We've got over 11 million jobs that are open right now. A lot of craziness going on out here, but the number of self-employed unincorporated workers, that means they don't have, they aren't an LLC, they aren't an S corp, they aren't a C corp. They're just working for themselves. They're self-employed. We've seen a rise there of over half a million since the pandemic started. No surprise there at all. We've also seen entrepreneurs 
who have applied for their tax ID numbers, meaning they really are set up as a, an official business, 4.5 million from January through October of this year. Now that's really an explosion there. So a whole lot of you who have participated in the great resignation, we know you aren't just sitting on the curb somewhere waiting for another government handout. You're busy doing something, turn it into a real thing that you're going to enjoy doing. A lot of the questions, a lot of the feedback that we got from you just in this last survey addresses that. So I want to go through some of the things just real quickly, some of the comments that you made about challenges that you have. Now, I don't have your names in these, the way we extracted the data. I don't have your names attached to this, so I'm just going to go through if you recognize your question. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing in ways that can inspire the other listeners as well. But somebody says, I'm making too much money at my regular job to focus enough time on my side business. And he says in parentheses, I know it's a first world problem. Well, it is. I mean, what a great problem to have making too much money at your regular job to focus enough time on your side business. So the question just simply is, where do you want to be three years from now? If we were meeting three years from today, what would have to happen both personally and professionally in your life for you to be really happy about where you were? That's where you start. If your regular job that's giving you a lot of money is serving you well, you don't have to change. It may make sense to just keep that going. You can develop hobbies, other interests on the side, spend time with family, be planning toward your retirement. I mean, a lot of people have done just that made great money at the regular job and then retired. So then they can volunteer, do worthwhile things, spend time with family, all of that. Just decide that's where you'd start though, it, to know if you should even have a side biz. What do you want your life to look like three years from now? Grab our free planning guide. If you haven't done that yet, you know, 48days.com slash goals. Um, that's what I use. I've got mine up as on one of the, the browser windows that I've got open all times. So I, I, cause I'm constantly tweaking that right now. Now, the funny thing is, as you know, as you hopefully have experienced as well, if you have those goals set by November 14th, it's amazing the progress you're going to make between then and the first of the year. So here we are almost a month in beyond November 14th there, depending on when you're listening to this, I've made a lot of progress on a couple of things that I outlined. I'll share when I get to January 1st, because I think I'm going to fully accomplish a couple goals that I set out to do next year, where I'll accomplish them even before the year starts. Okay, this is, uh, this says, uh, do you love the business of coaching? Um, no, it's horrible. Okay, so this comes from a pastor who says he loves coaching loves coaching. Does he love the business of coaching? I talk a lot about the two components of coaching, one being the psychodynamics of engaging with people and coaching them well, two being the business of coaching. He does not love the business of coaching. He says, no, it's horrible. After 38 years of pastoral ministry, the struggle challenge with charging for coaching is real. I understand that. I totally understand that. You know, my business as it is today started as a Sunday school class where I was just the Sunday school teacher. I had no, no plan at all about turning that into a business. I'm an entrepreneur. I was doing other things. I had business things that I was doing, selling things, had no desire to find something new. But that Sunday school class grew and grew and grew and the needs were so great in there and people kept asking for more materials, time, coaching and all of that to the point where Joanne finally suggested if I'm going to spend that much time 
doing that, it ought to have something to do with our income. That was kind of an aha moment for me because I had never seen things that I was doing in the category that I called ministry as something that I would charge for or get money for. And yet when I did, it was like a dam broke in a good way. Then in as much as I suspected, well, people would think, oh, you just used your position as a Sunday school teacher, you know, to now be a greedy materialist, capitalist, you're going to make money on that. No, it was exactly the opposite. When I made that transition, I had people showing up, professionals, you know, physicians, dentists, attorneys, showing up saying, gee, I want to work with you. Because then instead of just being a nice guy at church, they saw me as really a professional. Oh, wow, you really are a professional you're a coach. I want to work with you. So recognize people value what they pay for. They really do. And as much as your heart may be telling you, you need to just do this as free. You're really doing a disservice to everybody, both them and you by trying to do it for free. If you charge for it, whatever is reasonable for your target audience, they'll value it more and you won't end up resenting it. Well, hey, just a quick transition here. Just to remind you, these are real questions coming in. We've got a few more to go here in today's episode. If you want to submit a question or a success story, uh, certainly please do that. Got a new link for you to do that. Go to 48days.com slash askdan. And there you can leave an audio message like JJ who just did or uh, ask a question, write it out as well. All right, let's go through a few more of these. My 35 years in automotive parts sales and management has left me feeling like I've come to the end of a dead-end street. I can't seem to find or figure out how to transition to something new or more engaging with my skill set. Look, just like I mentioned a little earlier, try to come up with 10 different things that you're curious about. You know, have you really enjoyed being in automotive parts sales? There's so many different opportunities there. You could be... I mean, I know a guy who became a millionaire by buying old wrecked or junked trucks and then selling the parts to those. I mean, certainly there's that kind of thing. You know, you, I've got a friend who, enjoying hot rods, created a brand for himself where he goes to hot rod shows around the country. He has a blast doing that. And he has merchandise, you know, T-shirts, hats, gloves, jackets, all kinds of things, and he's doing extremely well doing that. So if you want to draw from automotive parts sales, list 10 to 15 different things that could be done with the knowledge that you have in that. There's certainly possibilities there. If it's something that you don't enjoy, then feel free to take a new curiosity, follow that, but develop it where it becomes something that you can put legs on, have a product that people know about and care about enough to pay you for it. This one uh, tickled me. This is feedback in our podcast survey. I want to know how to grow and start an online business without using social media. (laughs) It says, I love Dan so much because you're one of the few successful entrepreneurs with no social media presence. I think spending too much time on social media harms our creativity, yet the world makes us feel like if we're not sharing every moment of our lives on social media, we can't have a successful business. It will be great if you can share how your business continues to thrive without you being on social media. Well, I, I it, 
it tickled me because I'm not opposed to social media. It's just something that doesn't interest me a whole lot. I don't enjoy it. So we just don't do a whole lot in that arena. Now, for one thing, I started business very successfully before we had social media. So I was in this business I'm in now, writing, speaking, coaching, before we had Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok or Clubhouse or before we had blogs. I mean, all the before we had Zoom or Skype. I mean, so I was, I had to figure out how to do business. And trust me, it was not difficult to do business well before we had any of those things. So I've never been dependent on those things. I've always just seen those things as new tools we can use as it suits our needs, but not to be dependent on those. So what are the things that I do since I'm not a big, I'm not very present on social media? Well, the podcast is obviously one. Podcasting that I'm doing right now is the most powerful thing I've ever experienced in terms of marketing and building a business. So there's that. A lot of you get the newsletter. I started a newsletter in August of 2000. So now it's been over 21 years, never missed a week. So that is a strong connection point with a lot of people. I go to conferences, not a lot, but I usually go to five or six a year. I'm already outlining what I'm going to go to next year. I've already registered for Podcast Movement and PodFest and looking at a few others. Let me know what you're going to so we can meet up there. And I'd also appreciate your recommendations on conferences to go to. But that's an important part of maintaining connections with people. The book endorsements that I do. Now, Monday afternoons, a lot of you know, Monday afternoons, I devote to doing endorsements of books. I scan manuscripts, so endorsements or forwards. Just yesterday, I got two books, uh, one with a uh, delightful book that I wrote the forward to, and it came in a box along with a big bag of chocolate macadamias from Hawaii. I haven't opened it yet, but oh my gosh, it looks amazing. Another one came with a book that I did an endorsement for with a $20 bill telling me I could take my granddaughter's you know, to out for a Mexican lunch with people know I enjoy doing. Now, I don't expect compensation for doing endorsements and forwards, but it's interesting people with appreciation certainly include those sometimes. But, you know, I continue developing a deep relationships with influencers. Now, here's the thing, you know, and if you've got a business or you want to make a name for yourself, keep in mind the advantage we have as entrepreneurs over Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, is that we can have deep relationships with our customers. I mean, I see Facebook connections as at the very bottom of the pyramid. I mean, very bottom. I mean, they're casual connections. Then people register to get my newsletter. Okay, that would be the, the next level probably. Then next would be, those of you who listen to this podcast, next would be people who have purchased 48 days book or course next of you are those who are members of the 48 days Eagles community. And then there are people who are my personal mastermind. And then there's just a handful of people who are in my Eagles innovation group where we make investments together into, into businesses or buy businesses at every level where you come up. I spend more time with those people. Those are the people that I spend time with. And then all the people in that pyramid spread the word. I mean, I don't have to spend my time trying to lure somebody in who never heard of me because of the other things that I'm doing. So build your connections, focus on relationships and how you can connect with people. 
then you don't have to worry a whole lot about social media, the things that are being done out there. Well, somebody asked, how can I create residual income from my real estate business with less day-to-day involvement? Now, I, I love real estate. I mean, but if you are feeling like you've got a lot of day-to-day involvement, you may be, I don't know exactly, you know, if you're a real estate agent, you're focused on individual transactions. You got to just keep working toward those transactions. It happens and it's over. Now you can be involved in real estate and create residual income if you move away from transactions to investing. I mean, Kent Julian, our Dean of Speaking in our Eagles community, he makes great money speaking, but he's building his wealth because of real estate. Now he has multiple houses, but he has a management company that handles those. They're single family houses. He keeps adding to those, buying consistently, but then he has a management company that handles those. So he has cash flow in all of them. So it's not like a drain at all. The people who live in them are paying the mortgages down. And he spends about an, he tells me about an hour or two a month overseeing what's going on with those. So he has invested in houses, but then has a management company that takes care of those. There are other people, Jeff Long, he has a a whole bunch of houses. He handles those himself because he likes the interaction with people. But again, he's renting those. So they create a lot of cash flow. On and on. Then we have people like Chris Niemeyer, who's doing a lot of flips right now. He buys things that are devalued or need repair and goes in and fixes them up, makes them beautiful. He has an eye for doing that and then flips those. So, you know, just explore. Again, don't give up your interest in real estate, but look at ways you can do it so you don't have as much day-to-day involvement. Even moving from residential real estate to commercial real estate would do that. You know, residential, they expect you to be available, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, people call you on Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, want to go look at, at an open house, that kind of thing. Whereas in commercial real estate, now, if you're looking for, I had a friend one time who would look for land for Walmart to purchase and locate. Well, he's in real estate, but obviously that's not something where somebody's going to be calling him on Sunday afternoon. No, he's looking at big, major real estate transactions that make millions of dollars for everybody involved, but don't involve the ongoing control of your time that you may be experiencing. Now, we have a whole lot of people, and I want to unpack this one a little bit more because it really touches me, uh, because a lot of questions have come in from people who are in direct sales. You know, you may here it referred to as direct sales, multi-level marketing, MLM. I mean, been around a long time. You know, a lot of jokes made about Amway and some of those out there. Kelly, I've been involved in a whole bunch of me. Race Dirt. What are some of the other ones that I've been involved in? When we had prepaid telephone cards, when those first came out, I mean, I've been involved in a bunch of them. Now, I'm not a big fan at this point, understanding myself as I do, have I made money? Yeah, I've made a little money along the way, but uh, nothing to nothing to you know be too proud of. Believe me. But we get a lot of questions from people about multi-level marketing because they see it. They hear these stories about people who have made you know millions of dollars. You see the late night ads on TV or things in magazines. You know, get involved in this, and you'd be making fifty thousand dollars a month next month. Well, that's not the average. There's a whole lot of people who get involved in those things who do not make a lot of money. Now, I'm going to just choose a couple here, just arbitrarily. I just did a little bit of research just 
two. There's tons of others out there I could have chosen. And there's a whole lot of others that some of you have mentioned in your notes to me in these last couple of weeks about these companies. But there's a company called Young Living. They deal in essential oils. According to a Business Insider investigation, 89% of all Young Living entrepreneurs make an average of just $4 a year. Yeah, you heard me right. $4 a year. That's the average, according to Business Insider, of people who sign up for Young Living. Again, I'm not picking on any particular company. Here's the deal. Are these companies legit? Sure they are. It's a legitimate business model. You buy a product, you sell it to somebody else, they sell it to somebody else, everybody makes money. There's nothing illegal about it. It's just that the way it's presented so often is so unrealistic in terms of what a person can suspect, can expect. Now, the other big one in this same space, essential oils, I'll just do those two today, is doTERRA. All right? doTERRA. I mean, we hear a lot about that. I know people who have who are making a whole lot of money with doTERRA. But I also know a whole lot of people who got involved who never made anything. And it's a very, very tiny percentage. According to, again, wellness advocates, people who do the studies and look at what the actual numbers are, the average distributor for doTERRA averaged $380 for the year. But you have to spend $100 a month to maintain your standing as a distributor. So that's $1,200 a month you have to purchase in order to maintain your standing. And they're saying that the average person then gets $380 for a year. Now, again, with um, all due consideration, uh, and again, we, we have doTERRA products. I use doTERRA products in my drinks. I put a little lemon in there. Uh, Joanne uses them for other things. I mean, we're customers. But fewer than one half of 1% of doTERRA advocates, as they're called, make more than $9,000 a year. And again, that's before expenses. And again, that's considering that you have to purchase $100 a month. The numbers just don't work. Fewer than 9%, I mean, fewer than one half of 1% are generating enough commission to replace a full-time income. So again, the question is, you know, is network marketing good or bad? Well, let me ask you this. If I told you there's a brand new Ferrari out here, I had a chance to drive the brand new Ferrari Roma recently, you know, it has exceptional safety features, got an eight-speed transmission operated with a lever just up there with your fingers, your left hand, boom, 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 through eight speeds. It's amazing. Well, it sells for about $330,000. So if I can tell you how great that is, are you going to run out and buy one? Well, obviously there's a whole lot of other considerations, such as your driving interest, your financial position. And there are those considerations when you consider this kind of an opportunity. It's not just, is it a great company with great product? The real essential question is, is this business model a fit for you? If you're a natural cheerleader, you're always breaking the silence in the elevator, uh, you're, you love big parties, you like inviting 40 friends over for a good time, and you won first prize in your college debate class, then you're probably a good candidate for network marketing. On the other hand, if you're kind of reticent and shy, you prefer working with ideas rather than people, um, the, the idea of getting standing up in front of a, a group 
And, uh, you know, even if you're a visitor in a church, standing up and giving your name, if that makes you nauseous, you know, this business model is going to be a flop for you. doesn't matter how great the products are, how great the training is. It's not a match. Find a business that match what you know about yourself. So it's no different than getting a job. Look inside first. I mean, in 48 days, I talk about 85% of the process of having a confidence of proper direction comes from looking inward first. Look inward. That'll give you a clear focus for what kind of a business fits you. Now, that being said, I mean, I, I share this. I would rather work with somebody who lost $300 in a mail scam or who ordered a, or a guaranteed roach killer you know, for $29.99 only to receive two small boards with instructions to place the roach on one board and hit it with the other, you know, or someone who invested uh, $2,000 in vitamins or oils with a network marketing company, and now they have a garage full of oils or vitamins. I love working with people like that. I'd rather work with somebody like that than somebody who always played it safe and never lost a penny. It's by risking out of our comfort zones that we understand ourselves better, that we find the opportunities that do fit. I mean, you can play it safe and your life is going to be the same five years from now, or you can explore, experiment, plan, try, act your own way into being a unique success story. I mean, I talk in one of my books about um, spending $1,800 that I got as a, a grant to go to Ohio State University when I was 18 years old. I spent it on cashew machines and without going into the details, lost every penny. I mean, did I hang my head in shame and vow to never again risk an investment? No, not a chance. I learned from that and went on from there. But here's one of the keys. Invest or pursue, get involved with the intersection of what you understand and what you enjoy. Whether it's investing you know, in mutual funds or commodities or in the stock market or cryptocurrency or businesses or real estate or new business opportunities, a business franchise, if you want a Wendy's or McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A, I mean, invest in something that is the intersection of what you understand and what you enjoy. Well, just a couple other notes here. Somebody says, how do I get from having a business to having a business that makes money? That's a critical distinction. There are a lot of people out there who say they have their own business when they really don't. Now, for one thing, the four different categories are typically seen as employee. So you're working for somebody else, you get a paycheck, and then you move to self-employed. So if you're a graphic designer or a bookkeeper, you can decide to have five of your own clients. You do that on your own. But it's not like if you don't work for a week, you continue to get income. No, you're self-employed. You don't really have a business. A business implies that you can leave for a week and money continues to come in. So we go from employee to self-employed to business owner to investor. And certainly there are those, and I've alluded to a couple today, you know, there, there are ways that once you get to a certain point, you can have money invested in the money then creates income for you without you having much day-to-day involvement in that. So just be realistic about where you are, where you want to be. Again, there's no right or wrong about any of those. You can choose any of those four categories and just stay there if that's your choice. 
And I had somebody just recently, we had friends over and they were uh, confused about my level of activity, the things I continue to do. You know, why do I continue to do these things? I I just, I love the chase. I love the thrill of being in the game. I can't imagine stopping that. It's, It's not just how to make more money. It's just the process. I absolutely love the process. Now, somebody asking about building a mindset of expectation rather than lack. Boy, I can't go back to that. The foundational things we have in the Eagles community is the right mindset, the right idea, and the right network. Mindset is so, so important. How do you overcome self-sabotage? How do you overcome feeling overwhelmed? Those are things very individualized that you have to look at. How can you move through those so that you have positive expectation? so that you do have the self-confidence to get up in front of somebody if you need to, or make the sales calls, or develop a program, or to keep writing the next chapter of that book that you really want to get out there. You know, it doesn't write itself. You've got to be disciplined. And if you move into the entrepreneurial realm, you don't have somebody looking over your shoulder telling you, you need to show up at eight o'clock. You need to work eight hours. No, nobody's telling you anything. You have to develop your own systems for how to do that. Joanne's out of town right now. She's visiting her artist friends up in Tennessee. So that means I'm all by myself. Wow. I have hammered down on the reading, studying, writing that I'm doing. It's not like I just sat back and sat by the pool. No, I've just focused in because I love doing that and having time where I'm by myself. That's what I'm naturally drawn to. So you figure out what it is that excites you in that same way. Nobody can stop. You'll be unstoppable. You can't stop somebody who's that clear on their vision, has that much focus, knows what they're going and knows what they want their life to look like three years from now. Hey, I know that's you I'm talking to. Let me know your questions. Go to 48days.com slash askdan to shoot your questions in. I'll include them in upcoming episodes. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in those questions. Thanks for being open to growing and for being a powerful force, for making the world a better place, and for believing, along with me, without a shadow of a doubt, that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.